For I've had enough of this world and its pleasures. I will arise and go forth to the house of my young. I will arise and go forth to the house of my father. I will arise and go forth to the house of my young. House of my young. Shalom, and welcome to today's teaching on the Hebraic roots of Christianity, where we study first century Christianity and the faith that Jesus, whose Hebrew name is Yeshua, which means salvation, taught his disciples. And now, Hebraic roots teacher Eddie Chumney of Hebraic Heritage Ministries International. Shalom. I'm Eddie Chumney of Hebraic Heritage Ministries, and we welcome you to today's teaching on the subject, Two Houses and the New Testament. This is part 10 of the series. Next, what we're going to do is we're going to look at the parable of the prodigal son, and we're going to see that this parable as well is about Ephraim and Judah, and ultimately the unification of Ephraim and Judah. In the parable of the prodigal son, we are told that mercy is shown to the prodigal son. In this parable, it says a certain man had two sons. Well, the nation of Israel is likened to a quote-unquote son of the God of Israel. Exodus in chapter 4 and verse 22. And ye shall say unto Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord, Israel is my son, even my firstborn. Ephraim is called a son of the God of Israel. Jeremiah chapter 31 verse 20. Is Ephraim my dear son? Is he a pleasant child? In the parable of the prodigal son, it starts out this way. Luke chapter 15 and verse 11, it is written. He said, a certain man had two sons. The two sons here is going to refer to Ephraim and Judah. Ephraim is the northern kingdom. Judah is the southern kingdom. In Luke chapter 15 and verse 12, we see that the younger son demands his inheritance. And the younger of them, well, who is the younger between Ephraim and Judah? It is Ephraim. And he says to his father, 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 give me the portion of goods that falls to me. Why is he able to make this demand? Well, because he was given the birthright blessing and thus the inheritance. As we see in Genesis in chapter 48, that Jacob gave the blessing of the firstborn to Ephraim and Manasseh. And he divided unto them his living. We can see how Joseph or Ephraim is given the birthright blessing in 1 Chronicles chapter 5 in verse 2. For Judah prevailed above his brethren, and of him came the chief ruler. But the birthright was Joseph's. Ephraim committed harlotry. Ezekiel chapter 23, verses 2 through 5. Son of man, there were two women, the daughters of one mother. And they committed whoredoms in Egypt. They committed whoredoms in their youth. And the names of them were Ohala the elder, and Ohaliba her sister. And they were mine, and they bare sons and daughters. Thus were their names. 
Jews. Samaria, now that is a reference to the northern kingdom or Ephraim or the house of Israel or the house of Joseph is Ohalah. In Jerusalem, that would be the southern kingdom or the house of Judah or the Jewish people is Ohaliba. And Ohalah, that is Samaria, that is the northern kingdom, that is Ephraim, played the harlot when she was mine and she doted on her lovers, on the Assyrians, her neighbors. In the parable of the prodigal son, Luke chapter 15, verse 13, not many days after the younger son demanded his inheritance, the younger son, this is a reference to Ephraim, gathered all together and he took his journey into a far country and there wasted his substance with riotous living. Riotous living is a reference to harlotry or idolatry. Now, one of the signs of the end of days is that there is going to be a famine in the land from Amos chapter 8 and verse 11. In the book, From Exile to Redemption, volume 1, page 65, by Rebbe Menachem Schneerson, he explains, on the eve of the coming of the Messiah, the entire generation will be hungry for the word of God, or the Torah, as it is written. And this is a quote from Amos chapter 8 and verse 11. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord God, when I will send a famine in the land, not a famine for bread, nor thirst for water, but for hearing the words of God, or a famine for following and hearing the Torah. In the parable, the younger son, Ephraim, suffers from famine. Luke chapter 15, verse 14. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in the land. And a famine refers to not having or following the Torah. And as a result, he began to be in want. Now, when the northern kingdom, or Ephraim, or the ten tribes, were taken captive by the Assyrians, we're told in Hosea chapter 9 and verse 3 that they ate unclean food. They ate swine. In Hosea chapter 9 verse 3 it is written, They shall not dwell in the Lord's land, but Ephraim shall return to Egypt and they shall eat unclean things in Assyria. In the parable, Luke chapter 15, verse 15, the younger son, we know this is speaking about Ephraim, he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country and he sent him into the fields to feed swine. Now what's going to happen in the parable is in Luke chapter 15, verse 18, the younger son says, I will arise and go to my father. Arise is a Hebrew idiom for awakening from spiritual slumber. Psalm 102, verse 13, it is written, You shall arise and have mercy upon Zion for the time to favor her, yea, the set time is come. Isaiah chapter 60, verse 1, it is written, Arise, shine, for your light is come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 6, For there shall be a day that the watchman upon the Mount Ephraim shall cry, Arise. Rise ye, and let us go up to Zion unto the Lord our God. In the parable, in Luke chapter 15, verse 17, because the younger son began to be in want, it is written, and when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my fathers have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father. The phrase arise means he's going to waken out of his spiritual slumber. He's going to realize what he's doing come to his senses and correct it. Now, repentance precedes restoration. Leviticus chapter 26, verse 40 and verse 42, it is written, if they will confess their iniquity and the iniquity of their fathers with their trespass, which they trespassed against me, and that also they have walked contrary unto me, then will I remember my covenant with Jacob and also my covenant with Isaac and also my covenant with
with Abraham will I remember, and I will remember the land. So notice there is a confession of your sin first, and then restoration comes. In Luke chapter 15, verse 18, the younger son asked for forgiveness of his father. For in Luke chapter 15, verse 18, it is written, I will arise and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. In confessing his sins, he's confessing for not following the Torah because in 1 John chapter 3 and verse 4 we're told that whoever commits sin transgresses the Torah for sin is the transgression of the Torah. So when the younger son Ephraim when he repents he is shown mercy by his father. Jeremiah chapter 31 verses 18 through 20 it is written I have surely heard Ephraim bemoaning himself thus you have chastised me and I was chastised as a bull unaccustomed to the yoke. Turn thou me, and I shall be turned, for you are the Lord my God. Surely after that I was turned. I repented, and after that I was instructed. Instructed in what? Instructed in the Torah. I smote upon my thigh. I was ashamed. I couldn't believe how that I had departed from the Torah. Yea, even confounded, because I did bear the reproach of my youth. Is Ephraim my dear son? Is he a pleasant child? For since I spake against him, I do earn Earnestly remember him still. Therefore, my bowels are troubled for him. I will surely have mercy upon him, says the Lord. So, in Ephraim repenting, Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 19, he is being shown mercy by the God of Israel. In Luke chapter 15, verse 20, in repenting to his father, the younger son, the prodigal son, is shown mercy by his father. Luke chapter 15, verse 20, it is written, and he arose and came to his father. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. The ingathering of the 12 tribes of Israel is likened to the joy of a wedding. We can see this from Isaiah chapter 51 verse 3 as it is written, For the Lord will comfort Zion. He will comfort all her waste places. He will make her wilderness like Eden and her desert like the garden of the Lord. Joy and gladness shall be found therein. So look at the connection here. The Lord will comfort Zion. Joy and gladness shall be found therein. Thanksgiving in the voice of melody. Jeremiah chapter 31 and verse 11. For the Lord has redeemed Jacob and ransomed him from the hand of him that was stronger than he. So in redeeming Jacob, it says in Jeremiah chapter 31 verse 13, then shall the virgin rejoice in the dance, both young men and old together, for I will turn their mourning into joy and will comfort them and make them rejoice from their sorrow. So the redemption of Jacob in Jeremiah 31 verse 11 is likened to a virgin rejoicing in the dance with joy and great rejoicing. And so what's this dance that the virgin is engaging in? It is the joy in a wedding celebration. We can see how the ingathering of the exiles is likened to the joy of a wedding from Jeremiah chapter 33 verse 7, 10, and 11. Jeremiah 33 verse 7 it is written, I will cause the captivity of Judah and the captivity of Israel to return and will build 
build them as at the first. So the subject is ending the captivity of Judah, that is the southern kingdom, and Israel, that is the northern kingdom. Verse 10, thus says the Lord, again, there shall be heard in this place, which you say shall be desolate without man and without beast, even in the cities of Judah and in the streets of Jerusalem that are desolate without man and without inhabitant and without beast. The voice of joy, the voice of gladness, the voice of the bridegroom and the voice of the bride. What is that? The voice of joy and the voice of gladness and the voice of the bridegroom and the voice of the bride is wedding talk. Now, what is linked with this wedding talk? At the end of Jeremiah 33, verse 11, it says, for I will cause to return the captivity of the land. So the returning of the captivity of the land is likened to the joy of a wedding, the voice of joy, the voice of gladness, the voice of the bridegroom and the voice of the bride. In the parable, the prodigal son, who we now understand to be Ephraim, is received with the joy of a wedding when he repents and is shown mercy by his father. Luke chapter 15, verses 21 through 24, it is written, And the son said unto him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight, and I'm no more worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servant, Bring forth the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand, shoes on his feet, and bring hither the fatted calf and kill it, and let us eat and be merry. What is the best robe and a ring on his hand? That is speaking about a wedding. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, and they began to be merry. Being lost is a reference to the northern kingdom, the ten tribes of Israel, or Ephraim. They were regarded as quote-unquote lost in the nations in the sense that they lost their identity as a people and understanding who they were. But to the God of Israel, not one of them was lost. He knows who every one of them is, where they are, and where they came from. And so the Mary that Luke chapter 15 verse 24 is speaking about is the joy of a marriage. Now we're told how the older son, that is Judah, the house of Judah, the southern kingdom or the Jewish people, is going to initially respond to being aware that Ephraim, his brother, is returning home and has repented for his sins. Luke chapter 15 verses 25 and 26. Now his elder son, that would be referring to Judah, was in the field and he came and he drew nigh to the house and he heard music and dancing and he called one of his servants and asked him now what do these things mean if you are one who have been in traditional Christianity and you now are coming to the awareness and the understanding about the Hebrew roots of your faith and you understand that you are to express your faith in Yeshua as the Messiah by loving him and keeping his commandments or following his Torah you may have friends and family around you and even Jewish people that will come up to you and say, okay, now why are you keeping the Sabbath for? Why are you keeping Passover? Why are you celebrating the, the Feast of Tabernacles? You're not Jewish. Why are you doing these things? And so this was prophetically foretold in the parable of the prodigal son when the elder son asked his servants, what does all these things mean? Now, we can tell from the parable that the older son, or Judah, believes that he is 
following the Torah. Luke chapter 15 and verses 27 through 29. He said to them, your brother, that would be Ephraim, is come, or he's returned to the Torah. And as a result, your father has killed the fatted calf because he has received him safe and sound. However, the older son was angry and would not go in, would not greet his brother Ephraim. Therefore came his father out and began to entreat him. And he answering said to his father, Lo, these many years do I serve you. I've been following your Torah. Neither did I transgress at any time your commandment. Meaning he's saying that he's following Torah faithfully. Yet you never gave me a kid that I may make merry with my friends. You never blessed me for the way in which I'm following Torah is what he is in essence saying. But you see, the older son, while he is seeking to observe Torah, he's not following the Torah of the Messiah. He's following the Torah of Rabbinic Judaism. And so he believes that the Torah of Rabbinic Judaism that he's following is the faith and is what he was commanded to follow from the giving of the Torah at Mount Sinai. So we can see that this parable of the prodigal son is a parable to explain to us about the younger son who was given an inheritance. That is a reference to the firstborn blessing. But rather than using the blessing to help the family, which was the purpose of being given the firstborn blessing, is to redeem others of the family who had departed and had become poor, the the firstborn here, Ephraim, is squandering his inheritance with riotous living. He has gone out and committed harlotry and committed idolatry, departed from the Torah. But there comes a point in time when he realizes that he's done this and he goes to his father and repents, which means he goes to his father and he confesses to his father that he has not been following Torah and that he wants to return to his father's house and to follow Torah. And Yeshua is telling us that when Ephraim returns home to his father's house, that that's going to be associated with a celebration, the joy of a wedding. And the wedding is the unification of Ephraim and Judah, the end of the exile of the tribes of Israel and the return to the land of Israel. And in the parable, Yeshua is explaining how initially what the response of the older son, that is Judah, to these events. First, he'll go out and inquire what's going on. What is it that my brother is doing? And of course, this is prophetic of asking about why is the younger son in returning to his father's house? Why is he following the Torah? Because you see, the older son, when he was, when his brother was out in riotous living, he no longer regarded him as being a part of the house, as a part of the faith, as it were. And the older son then believed that he was following Torah and he didn't feel any need to repent to his father. So this parable is prophetic in teaching about the destiny of Northern Kingdom, Southern Kingdom, and the circumstances describing when they come together, how things are going to be. So let's summarize here what we've learned in this parable of the prodigal son. Ephraim, or the Northern Kingdom, or the Ten Tribes, is the prodigal son. Ephraim went into harlotry in idolatry, from following the Torah, went after the other nations of the world and wanted to be like them. In exile, Ephraim fed on swine, which is a way of saying that he, he departed from Torah. And because of a famine in the land, spiritually this represents he's not being spiritually fed, Ephraim decided to repent and return to his father. The father received the repentance
importance of Ephraim and celebrated with the joy of a wedding. The older son, that would be a reference to the house of Judah or the Jewish people, was in the field and didn't realize or recognize when his younger brother Ephraim returned home. The older son, that is Judah, was angry with his father for not previously giving him this wedding party because he had believed that he had always been faithfully doing what his father wanted him to do, which is following the Torah. Next, we're going to look at Mark in chapter 8 and beginning in verse 22. And we're going to see here once again how this gives us an understanding of the role of the Messiah to gather and unite the 12 tribes of Israel. In Mark chapter 8 verse 22, we're told, and he, that is Yeshua, came to Bethsaida. Now, Bethsaida is the Strong's number 966 in the Greek dictionary. And Bethsaida means house of fish. So the word picture is that Yeshua came to the house of fish. Now, on a deeper understanding at the sowed level, there's going to be a connection that he's in Bethsaida to what is prophesied in Jeremiah chapter 16 in verses 15 and 16, where it says that fishers will be sent out to the exiles of Israel. As we can see here, but the Lord lives that brought up the children of Israel from the land of the north and from all the lands where he had driven them. And I will bring them again into their land that I gave to their fathers. Behold, I will send for many fishers, says the Lord, and they shall fish them. That is why Yeshua said when he called his disciples in Mark chapter 1 verse 17, Yeshua said, come after me and I will make you fishers of men. In Matthew in chapter 4 verses 18 and 19, we see that among the disciples that Yeshua called were literal fishermen. And Yeshua walking by the Sea of Galilee saw two brethren, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And he said unto them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. The reference to fish is associated with Ephraim because in giving the blessing to Ephraim by Jacob in Genesis in chapter 48 in verse 16, it is written, the angel which redeemed me from all evil, bless the lads, that is Ephraim and Manasseh, let my name be named upon them in the name of my fathers, Abraham and Isaac. And the King James says, let them grow into a multitude in the midst of the earth. And where the King James has let them grow, it is the Strong's number 1711 in the Hebrew dictionary. It's the Hebrew word daga. And daga means fish. And we can see how the Hebrew word daga means fish from Genesis in chapter 1 verse 26. God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea. The Hebrew word there is daga. So what this literally says in Hebrew and given the blessing to Ephraim and Manasseh, the blessing is, is that they would increase as fish in the earth. Well, that doesn't make logical sense because fish don't increase in the earth. Fish multiply in the sea. So the translators didn't translate the Hebrew literally. They translated it as let them grow into a multitude in the midst of the earth. But it literally says, let them increase as fish in the earth. So what we need to understand is in the blessing of multiplication given to Ephraim and Manasseh, they are likened unto fish who multiply. Well, Yeshua said to his disciples that would follow him, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Matthew chapter 4 and verse 19. There is a deeper meaning to this because in Hebrew, man is Adam. So I'm going to make you fishers of Adam, of mankind. But in addition to Adam being a term for all mankind, the nation of Israel specifically 
specifically is called Adam. And we find this in Ezekiel in chapter 34 verse 31 and Ezekiel in chapter 36 and verse 10 as explained in the art scroll of Ezekiel on page 30. Then at Bethsaida, Yeshua heals a blind man. In Mark chapter 8 verse 22 it is written, and he came to Bethsaida and they bring a blind man unto him and besought him to touch him. Now Yeshua was healing a literal blind man, but at the sowed level, at the deeper meaning of the text, the nation of Israel in departing from the Torah is regarded as being blind. And we can see this from the Sanchino Midrash Rabbah, volume 9, page 202, where it says, Rabbi Simeon, son of Yohai, taught when Israel stood before Mount Sinai and said, all that the Lord has spoken, we will do. Well, that's going to conclude part 10 of the series on the subject, Two Houses and the New Testament. Shalom in Yeshua the Messiah. Amen. Thank you, Eddie. This is Stephen Morgan, and all of us here at Hebraic Heritage Ministries pray that you have enjoyed today's teaching. If you've been blessed, will you help us to share this message with others? Hebraic Heritage Ministries is supported by your generous financial gifts. In order to help you in your studies and to help us share this message with others, we are offering today the DVD, Yeshua the Lawgiver, for free for a love gift of any amount to the ministry. Hebraic Heritage Ministries also offers a monthly discipleship program. If you are interested in starting a fellowship group in your area, let us know. We would like to help you. Please contact us for more details. Our website is hebroots.org. That's H-E-B-R-O-O-T-S dot O-R-G. We would like to hear from you. Please send us an email. Finally, in order to take advantage of today's free offer, please mention this product offer and... Please mail your love gift to Hebraic Heritage Ministries, P.O. Box 81, Strasburg, that's S-T-R-A-S-B-U-R-G, Ohio, 44680. Until next time, may Yeshua richly bless you.